Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building, which is actually hashtag Divine Color Wall. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's Pastor Michael Petit. Good morning. It's uh, <laughs> March 14th. As we uh, prepare to spring forward, I'm Pastor Michael Petit. Uh, we'd like to welcome you all to Calvary Chapel Divine, Texas here in Divine. Uh, today we're going to continue uh, as we learn about the sun, salt, and light. Uh, last week we learned about the sun. Uh, we talked about knowing uh, the sun. And uh, one of the things that we do want to do is know and grow in, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And um, and then to this week we're actually going to spend some time talking about being the salt and the light. And actually talk about the salt and light ministry. Uh, that's the, uh, the title of the teaching this week. So if you have your Bible, you can uh, go ahead and get it ready or get it turned on. It'll be in uh, Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16. And, uh, and just a quick couple of announcements. Um, next week, actually, you know, as we, we had worship last week, we were really blessed to have Lester and Melissa here last week. And we want to thank them so much for, uh, for being here. And, and, um, and, and as we prepare for uh, worship, uh, video worship, uh, the next uh, few weeks, we're, we're working on and preparing to get everything together. Uh, and so we'll actually have it up here and we'll have the lyrics up here. We're working on all the other little last bits and pieces that, uh, that need to get taken care of. And so hopefully by Wednesday night or either on Sunday, we'll have uh, video worship when we come in. So uh, we're looking forward to that. It's something definitely we, we, uh, we want to be able to do. A um, uh, couple quick things. Uh, masks are, are optional here at Calvary Chapel Divine. Uh, it's if you if you want to wear them, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, we have uh, stations here for you to be able to wash your hands as far as sanitize your hands uh, at the doors and, and at where the bathrooms are as well. Uh, and and so you know that's you know we we do practice social distance and all the other wonderful things that need to be done. And uh, hopefully, as we see. Uh, more vaccines being done and, and more people getting shots. We, we're already seeing the numbers going down, not only in Medina County, but also in, uh, in San Antonio as well, which is good. Our Wednesday night Bible study is at uh, 7 p.m. It's here uh, in, in uh, Calvary Chapel Divine in the Market Media Building. We're located at 203 East College Avenue, uh, Suite C, and it's uh, where the rainbow color wall is, which is right behind me. And so we start at 7 p.m., so hopefully you can make it out. We're in the book of Nehemiah, and we'll be finishing up chapter 1 this week. And then one thing I didn't go over last week, and I just want to make sure we go over, is that we, when we talk about a, a formal offering or a tithe, we don't, we don't do that here at Calvary Chapel Divine. Actually, I've never, I've never seen that done in any of the Calvary chapels that I've attended. We always leave that uh, between you and the Lord. Uh, we believe that, uh, you know, that, that, that God does love a cheerful giver, giver. but at the same time, um, we believe that that's between you and the Lord, and, and, and so we have our agape box uh, at the, near the door, as well as our, um, uh, our, our newcomer cards and, and uh, prayer request cards, but the cool thing is, is those things can actually, actually be found online as well. And so you can actually um, you can actually tithe online. You can uh, do that uh, through CalvaryDivine.org, uh, and that's that's through PayPal is who we use. And then uh, you can also do a prayer request as well. It's on there uh, under the contact. So 
If you need prayer, please reach out and we will gladly pray with you. Me and my wife, Teresa, uh, will do that. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and uh, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to actually talk about um, uh, being the salt and the light of the world. But I think it's very important that as we look at uh, these verses through 13 through 16, that we need to look at it in the context of the Scripture, which is we need to actually go to the very beginning of the chapter, chapter 1, the Sermon on the Mount, and it's formerly known as the Beatitudes. And so let's go ahead and start in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, and we'll read from there all the way down to verse 16. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. On my account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And here we get to our verse here in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill can, cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we do pray, and we come before you, Lord, and we, we pray. One of the things that we need here in Calvary Divine is a worship team. We need somebody that, to, to lead worship, so we're asking for that right off the bat, Lord. Uh, we pray, uh, Father God, that you would just continue to do uh, the work in us that needs to be done. Uh, uh, that we would be able to be obedient to your word, uh, to be able to apply your word, that we would shine and divine as believers, uh, that people would know that we're followers of Christ and that you would get the glory. Father God, we thank you so much for today and we do pray uh, for this city. We pray for uh, this community and this county and we just ask, Lord, that you just continue to do a mighty work in each of our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to look at this in two parts, actually. Uh, we're going to look at it as the salt and light ministry. So the salt and light ministry of Christ. Now, most people don't think of that as a ministry, but actually this is a ministry that we're all participants in. Uh, the moment that we become followers of Christ, we talked about it last week, as you put your hands to the plow and you look forward to Christ, now you're in the salt and light ministry. And you go, well, I'm not serving in the church. No, this is a ministry that God has given you, each of us, to be salt and light in this world. And so when we look at this, the, the reason why I read the Beatitudes at, at the very beginning, you have this beautiful Sermon on the Mount that's happening in the springtime, and we're already seeing it here in, in Texas. We had a little bit of rain today and driving uh, through Lytle and, and, and coming into Natal, you can see just how green everything is already becoming and the trees are beginning to blo blossom. And, and this would have been Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. He's on a beautiful hill with flowers blooming and, and, and he's sharing the Beatitudes. 
Now, the Beatitudes, the reason why I read those to you is the Beatitudes is a recipe to the ingredients to become salt and light. If you want to become salt and light, you should be doing what the Beatitudes are actually telling us to do. And, and so, as us as Christians, as followers of Christ, we should be making an impact in the world. And we're, we're called to a holy behavior. To pursue holiness, to pursue righteousness. And, and, and each of us have this ministry of salt and light. And I don't know if you looked at it that way, because I know when I looked at these scriptures and I read them and I was like, man, do, do, do I live out that salt and light ministry everywhere I go? And you think, man, why would Jesus use something as simple as salt and light? And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. We, we need to understand that, that we need to not be conformed to this world, but be the salt and the light in this world. And so as we look at that first point, we're going to look at let the, the salt keep its taste. In verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So first off, the first question we have to ask ourselves, why salt? Right? Why does Jesus use salt? Well, we can go back to Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13. It says, You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain. Offering with all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Actually, salt symbolized God's covenant with His people. Why salt to be offered with the meal offering? Because salt speaks of grace. And salt had two purposes of the time of Jesus. This is something that that we need to understand: is that salt was a, a commodity, and they would actually pay the Roman soldiers in salt. And that's why they would use that term, he's worth his weight and salt. That's where that comes from. Because it was, it was a way that people would be paid. But salt did two things during the time of Jesus. They preserved and they enhanced. They preserved the meat from decay or the fish. Or they enhanced the taste of the food. Anybody who's had a good steak knows that all you need is a little bit of salt little bit of pepper and that's all you need on the steak you don't need anything else if it's a good piece of meat the salt's going to draw out all the flavor but we need salt also in our body uh, we actually take salt into our diet we observe uh, absorb salts and those salts actually help make our bones strong through calcium you have too much salt and you have high blood pressure you have too little salt, you're dehydrated. God knew the perfect balance of salt that we needed. And for us, one of the things that I hope that we get from this is that we look at this as the gospel of Christ should be seasoned with salt as an enhancer. So as we speak, do we speak with grace? Like are we actually drawing people to us in conversation? In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, it says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Think about that just for a second. Do, do people want to talk to you? Do people avoid you because of your speech? As a follower of Christ, like there should be grace and it should be what? Seasoned with salt. So like if I'm going to share Christ with somebody and, I, and, and they're drawn in and there's grace there, it should be seasoned with salt. Our, our speech should actually bless others. And actually create the opportunity for us to actually share the gospel with people. To love on people. To show truth to people. 
Like it's not, it's not one of those things that we, uh, we just like an open wound, you pour salt into it. It's, it's, it's actually being able to, to talk to somebody about, about following Christ. And, and with it, speaking to them with grace and mercy and love and truth and then season it with a little salt. I'm thinking about that guy that Matt shows me with the, when he drops the salt. But um, one of the things we need to remember is that we are, we're speaking to a, a decaying culture. The culture is you know, decaying around us. The world is. And so salt actually, when, we, when the flavors are drawn out and salt, they, they actually put salt in water. Matter of fact, I think, I can't remember of this one, some of these actually have water in uh, They put salt in them. I know Dasani does. And the reason why they put the salt in there is why you need a little bit of salt. But I can't figure out why I'm thirsty again after I drank this. It's probably because of the salt, right? And so when we, when we look at that, we should be thirsty. The salt actually uh, makes us thirst more. And, and salt promotes the thirst and the salt of the earth. And so what we should be doing is they, we have water, living water, that they'll never go thirsty, which is Jesus Christ. And that's why when we look at, at uh, a ministry of salt, that's actually Acts chapter 2, verses 4-2. That's actually one of the things that as Calvary Chapel, it's a foundation for Calvary Chapel. And, and I believe that's where our salt is, is used in a, in a mighty way together. And as we devote ourselves in, uh, to the apostles' teaching, which is the Word of God, uh, we devote ourselves to fellowship you know, actually spending time with each other outside of church. And, and we break bread together. Uh, we actually have conversations, and those conversations should be uh, filled with grace and truth and love and mercy and seasoned with salt. And then we spend time in prayer. And that's actually the ministry that, that I'm praying for here in, in Divine Texas is this Acts 2.4.2. And then season with salt and light with it. The other thing that salt does is it preserves. As believers, we are to be preservatives. We actually see now today that the culture is rotting. The world is, is just over the last maybe year and a half, we've just seen a, a major decline uh, in decay in the United States. And what we're supposed to do as Christians is we're called to be the salt to preserve. And that means we have to stand up at times and, and actually share God's Word with truth and love and be that preservative that, that prevents the decay in divine. That pre prevents the decay in, in Medina County and in Texas and across the United States. I love when we look at, at, at decay. You can read Psalm 14. Psalm 14, verses 1 through 3. This is actually talking about a, a heart that's decayed, really. Uh, someone who's, who's actually just allowed uh, decay into their life. And it talks about the fool says in his heart, there is no God. We see that quite a bit in the culture now. There are corrupt they do uh, abominable deeds there is none who does good the lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any if there are any who understand who seek after god they have all turned aside together they have become corrupt there is none who does good not even one you know, that word corrupt that's used there is, is, in the Hebrew is actually decay. It's, it's, it's allowed, they've allowed decay. They've allowed uh, sin into their lives. They've allowed a disbelief in God. 
and 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 it affects not just the heart but the mind and the will and and that's where the decay happens and 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 one of the things it says in the strong's concordance is that it actually invokes the image of milk that has gone rancid imagine being thirsty and you go and you open up a big thing of milk and nothing comes out but cottage cheese as it goes down your throat it's decayed that's the image that it gives in the in the in the strong's concordance and seeing christians are to be the salt in this decaying world but what's happened is many christians have become mixed up in this world and it, and it causes them to be ineffective and lose their uniqueness as Christians. So are you decaying? Are, are you still preserving? Are you still keeping your taste? He says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So where do we see decay in our society? Do we see it in our community? Are we seeing it in our church? You know, do we, are, are we trying to figure out a way to engage the society and to, to bring Christ back into the community? That's the key. Is, is salt actually promotes peace with one another. It's not for us to argue with each other. It's for us to actually promote peace with one another. That's what salt does in Mark chapter 9, verses 50. And that's why I love the synoptic gospels. You get different uh, camera angles on these things. And, and Mark actually says in, in his verse, he says, Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltiness, how will it make it salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. We are to be like salt in promoting peace among believers. And, and that demonstrates the preserving power of God. Like if we can promote peace, like I can disagree with you and, and, and be able to share God's love and truth without arguing. Can I promote peace? Can I tell you, hey brother, I love you. This is just what God's Word says. It's up to you. You do with it what you need to do with it. I just, you know... I understand I don't want to upset you, don't want to make you mad. I would rather I would rather leave you in love. Are we going to try to promote peace with one another? I watched a, a priest, believe it or not, a priest, a Catholic priest actually upset about the the uh, you know, Joe Biden signing the abortion thing. And he talked about the sanctity of life and I've never heard a priest actually share the gospel or at least be so forward with his passion of the sanctity of life and how it goes against the, the will of God and, and that God creates all life. And, and one of the things that he did is he actually had a lot of salt seasoned in what he said because there was a lot of truth, but it was seasoned with salt and it, it, he still promoted peace within the discussion. And that's what we need to do as believers is we need to be the preserving, allowing God to be the preserving power uh, to, to preserve uh, and create peace among each other and especially as believers. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have issues where we're fighting with each other. You know, our, 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 one of the things is with the salt and light ministry, our, that salt should be creating peace with one another, one another, actually preserving peace within the church. And we don't see that right now, right? We have a, a left church and a right church, which is not right. It's, it's a church, and it belongs to God. And, and God has called us to be at peace with one another. Now, I'm going to stand for truth and tell you that I'm not for abortion. And I think it's wrong. I'm going to stand for truth and tell you that I am for uh, marriage between a man and a woman. And, and, and so I, those things, I'm not going to sway on. But I love you. 
And, and we can disagree to disagree. Now, I'm not for a political party. I'm for Jesus. You know, we have to find a place where we can find peace with each other. And, and, and the church, what happens is we, when we allow division in the church, decay happens in the church. And we're, we're, we're not seeing that, that, that peace be promoted, that salt preserving the church. And we have to be very careful with that as believers. We have a warning there because he says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? The warning says it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. That warning is very important. Because he's saying, hey, your salt, it's lost its flavor, it's dull, it's become sluggish. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. You get that? They knew God, but they decided not to honor Him or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Uh, a follower of Christ cannot mingle with the world. We cannot become part of the world. We're supposed to be of the world, but not in the world. You know, it's almost like Teflon. Uh, if you think of it, it's we're of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. I'm sorry. It's almost like Teflon. And, and uh, one of the things is, is like Teflon, it doesn't stick to the pan, right? That's how we are supposed to be as followers of Christ. We're not supposed to allow the world to stick to us. That's probably the easiest way to, to figure that out. I apologize. My head sometimes is thinking two steps ahead and, and, and wasn't there the way I should be. But one of the biggest things that we need to remember is like we're, we, we are to, when we live in a worldly manner, we allow sin to corrupt our lives. And... And we lose that taste of salt. See, God is calling us in order for us to be uh, salt and light. We're actually supposed to be pursuing a holy behavior. That actually enhances the flavor of the salt. Right? But honestly, what we have now is we have fake salt. This was the same during the time of Jesus. They had Dead Sea salt. They had Dead Sea salt. So... Dead Sea salt is actually looks like salt. It, it does not enhance and it does not preserve. It's nothing. The only thing that salt is good for is to be thrown out and trampled on for walking paths. That's all it was good for. And see, once salt loses its flavor, it's worthless. But that's a rhetorical question because salt doesn't lose its flavor. That's what Jesus is trying to get you to look at. It's like, don't, you need to, to, to live a holy behavior, a pursuit of righteousness, a pursuit of holiness, a pursuit of being obedient to God. And we can't lose our place. And, and, and what I mean by that is we won't lose our salvation, but you can affect your testimony. Oh, and I want you to understand this. I'm going to give it to you in Scripture so that way you get it. See, our past, present, future sins are forgiven when we give our life to Christ. But we've had pastors that have fallen. Sadly. But let's look at this in Scripture. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And we're going to kind of go through chapter 26 in a quick hurry here. But I'm going to talk to you about King Hosiah. And you're going to see somebody salt... And then the lost of the flavor. It says here in, in verse 5, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5, it says, He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Right? When we get to verse 7, it says, God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians. And it goes down in verse 8 and it says, And Uzziah, 
King Uzziah said that his fame spread even uh, to the border of Egypt for he became very strong. Why did he become strong? Because of God. He was being obedient to God. And then we see in verse 9 it says, Moreover, uh, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem and at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the, and, and at the angle and, and then fortified them. Fortified them. In verse 10, he, he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns. For he had large herds from in ship, ship life and in the plain and he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and the fertile lands for he loved the soil. So he's, he's just continuing to do things for the Lord. And then we see in verse 11, Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war. We see that in, in verse 12, there were mighty men of valor, right? In verse 14, what does he do for the army? He's, Uzziah prepared for all the army, shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, stones, and stones for slinging. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And, he, and his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. That's all salt, right? When you read that, you go, man, look at what God is doing through Uzziah and all the salt. And it's drawing people from Egypt and it's drawing people uh, to help out and, and create these, these machines and, and, and things were invented and, and the soil was preserved. And all of this stuff is being done by God through Uzziah. But then Uzziah hit, hit something that hit, hits a lot of us, his pride. Pride eventually crippled him. In verse 16, it says, in, in 2 Chronicles 26, it says, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. And he entered, in, entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So who's the only people that can burn incense on the altar? The Levites. That's it. And so now, he's going to do it. He's not even supposed to be in there. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests and the Lord who were, uh, were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who consecrated to burn incense. They're telling him, Hey, don't do this. Don't do it. But then you see, and it continues, it says, They go out into the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. And then Uzziah was angry. So now his pride has turned to anger. And it says, Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead. In the presence of the priest, in the house of the Lord, by the altar of incense. And Ezra, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they rushed him out quickly. Why? Because God would have struck him down. They cared enough for Uzziah to do that. And he himself hurried out to go out because the Lord had struck him. And this is what happens when your salt loses taste. In verse 21, and King Uzziah was a leopard to the day of his death. And being a leopard, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. He never was able to go back to the temple. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. You see salt, and then salt losing its flavor. Uzziah fell in love with his own accomplishments, became prideful and angry. And, and some people do that with their positions. But let me tell you something, that fall didn't happen in just one day. That salt doesn't lose its flavor all in one day. He didn't wake up one morning going, you know what, I think I'm going to ruin my testimony today. It's done a little bit at a time. And the salt loses its flavor just a little bit of time as sin creeps in. And I mean, we've seen pastors fall. 
commit adultery, decide that, hey, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to enhance my book sales and say I've sold more books, financial issues. I mean, and, 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 I mean, and, and we've even seen some that have gone home to be with the Lord and, and then the, the, the true, the true uh, information comes out and it's sad. But what happens is those men, in a lot of cases, they repent. And, and Jesus forgives them. But their impact, especially in the church, their salt has lost their, its flavor. The first thing that people think about when they... And, and I'm going to use Pastor Bob Coy for, for instance. Pastor Bob Coy fell... And, and had committed adultery, and if Pastor Bob Coy comes back to the church, what he'll be, he'll, the first thing people are going to think of is that. It's not to say that God can't still use him. He's not going to be used in, in that position ever again. But there, always, there will always be that loss of salt, that flavor. And that's why we have to protect our testimony. That we have, to, we have to cling to Christ. That's what we talked about last week when we put our hands to the plow. Is man, you need to hang on to that plow and focus on Christ. Because again, those sins do not happen over in all in one day, but they happen over a period of time. That pride for Uzziah happened over a period of time. And we see in verses 14 and 16, shine your light before others. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, light, let your light shine before others so that you may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So light is important, right? A lot of us lost power during the uh, the snowstorm or snowbit as they call it, and and it wasn't that bad during the daytime. But as night came, the house gets a little harder to navigate without light. And maybe you couldn't charge your phone, and so you were using a candle or something uh, to to be able to see. And it gets a lot harder to be able to see in the darkness. We need light. Right, and that's what God God is calling us to be light, and and God created light in Genesis chapter one verse three. He said, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Why? Because light always shines in the darkness, no matter how dark it is. Light can shine. I love First Peter chapter two verse nine. This is such a beautiful verse because it really you know should encourage us as followers of Christ. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for its own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You've been called into his marvelous light as a follower of Christ, and God intends for his children to live in the light and not in this dark world. Like he's calling you to be the light. You, you're, you're supposed to be shining the way to spiritual safety for people, for the lost. You're supposed to be like one of those beautiful new LED billboards that you see that's just as bright in the daytime as bright at night. You're supposed to be the marvelous light. You're a royal priesthood. Man, that should just... Like God sees you when you become a follower of Christ. You're a royal priesthood. And he's saying, you walk in, in, in that marvelous light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. Let me tell you something. I have walked in darkness. I walked in darkness for 39 years. And now I have the light of life. I understand what life is. It's in Jesus Christ. 
In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And see, you're supposed to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You think about when the power goes out, you would have pockets of light throughout the cities. But the darkness was dark that surrounded it. But that light was bright. You could see as far as you could see and you'd see the light. Hey, somebody's got lights on. And now we, we see darkness creeping into the United States. It's called progressive Christianity. And they, they take the Scriptures and they twist and turn it to fix a moral principle that they want it to fit. To, to fit. Like they're trying to take a, a square peg and put it in a round hole and they're going to beat it in there if they have to. Even if they have to take the Word of God out of context. I watched a pastor this week actually talk about Jesus as a racist as he took the Scripture completely out of context and then he started trending on TikTok. And the first thing people should have known right off the bat is it was a gay pastor. But that... Again, that, that promotes another moral principle that doesn't fit the church. But that's progressive wokeism in, in, the, in Christianity that's happening in the United States. And I'm telling you, the church better wake up. You better stop trying to eisegesis the Word and start exegesis in the Word, which is to look at the context because context is king. Stop trying to add what you want to add into it because then you're just playing God. We're supposed to be a city on a hill, a light that provides light of, of holy behavior and draws people to God. In John chapter 3, verses 18-21, through 21, it says, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in Him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come, into, does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. See, we see an unholy world getting darker. But you're supposed to be the light. And we see, you know, in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20, that being lived out right in front of us in the United States. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I'll tell you this how it works. Now the Christian church is going to say it's okay for abortion? You're calling good, evil good now. And that's wrong. And I've seen so many politicians and celebrities and world leaders using the Word of God as a crutch to promote their agendas. The church needs to start speaking up. The church needs to start waking up. I had a pastor, and I won't say his name, pastor that pretty well known, apologizing for being white and a pastor. And Vladi Bachman was said, you know, you don't need to apologize for being white and being a pastor. You need to apologize for being woke and being a pastor. Teach the Scriptures. That's what we're supposed to do. Teach the Scriptures. Why? We're supposed to live in peace with one another. Love one another as brothers and sisters. We're, we're to love our neighbors. All of our neighbors. To be the light. But what's happened is we've allowed all of this, 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 uh, we've seen just this twisted, mangled thing happen with the Word of God. And even with God. People have made God into what they believe God is and what they're doing is they're creating an idol. And we've, allowed, we've seen celebrities and we've seen politicians and we've seen 
world leaders, and we've also seen Christian worship leaders use it as a crutch to push an agenda. You know, to walk away from the faith and, and say that I'm I'm a homosexual now. And 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 God like God's not gonna judge that. Like there's not a consequence to your sin. And 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 what happens is we call evil for good and good evil. That's why we see uh, uh, uh unfortunately, you know you know, we see marriage as as not being husband and wife, as God intended it. That I was actually handled in, in the first few chapters of Genesis. God took care of that right off the bat. But that's what's happening. We're seeing this this darkness for light and light for darkness. You know, we need to wake up as a church because we're supposed to be the city on the hill. We're, we're actually supposed to be the one that's impacting the culture, not the culture impacting the church. It says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. So in the same way, what we're supposed to do uh, is, is we're supposed to shine, and it's not supposed to be done in secret. Stop being... You know, stop hiding as a Christian. You're called to be a follower of Christ. You're called to be salt and light. And and it says that you're supposed to shine. Right? Are you shining? Why are you hiding your light? You don't want people to know that you're a follower of Jesus? Are you just trying to fit into the world? Because that's not what we're called to do. In Psalm 119.105, and this is a great verse for all of us to remember. Psalm 119.105, a lot of us know this one, is your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The word of God is the source of our light. It guides each of us as followers of Christ through life and how to handle things and what we're supposed to be doing. It's that light, that lamp that directs our feet. It, it gets us through this dark world. It allows you to be light in this dark world. So you should be in God's Word. And we're going to talk about that next week as we finish up the sun, salt, and light. As we talked about knowing the sun, what we're going to be talking about next week is growing in the sun as a relationship with God. The Word of God is very important for the fellow believer. He, he tells you, you know, you're... I love that he says that it should give light to the all in the house. Like our our salt and light should be displayed in the house first. Are you hiding it in your marriage? Are you hiding it as a as a father, as a mother? It's like it should be displayed in the house. Salt and light. And it says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of the light. You're supposed to shine. And I love it. When I was putting this together, I was like, it's real easy because you can rhyme that shine and divine. That's what we're supposed to do. We should be shining in divine. Being Christians, being followers of Christ that actually bring light to divine. Are we going to do that? That's actually a responsibility. God is calling you to shine. That's, again, your ministry is to shine. But we came in today and we turned the lights on. The lights didn't make any noise. Kind of like Uzziah, right? King Uzziah. King Uzziah wanted to shine. Not God. He wanted, he wanted instead of God to get the glory, he wanted the glory. See, we're, we're supposed to shine and just like my lights, they're quiet in my house. When I turn my lights on, I don't hear them. Right? Because they're giving, they're, they're allowing 
the switch is doing everything. But in our lives, we should shine and God should get all the glory. And think about a lighthouse. What does a lighthouse do? It doesn't make noise. It actually just shines its light and it guides people into safety out of the darkness. And so we should be shining and that, and, and, and that people should know that we're followers of Christ and, and drawing them into coming into a relationship with the Lord. You know, a lot of things that keep us from having our light shine is Luke, again, with a synoptic gospel, his, in his verse he says, no one, no one after a, a lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or, or under a basket but on a stand so that those who may enter see the light. When he uses the word cellar, he's talking about a crypt, a vault, a hiding place. Sin. Are you hiding it? And see, even the brightest sun can't make a blind man see. And, and that, this explains why Jesus is the light of the world. People don't see properly because their eyes are darkened according to their own choice. And we're not supposed to be like them. Stop choosing darkness. And so we, uh, we see that so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship created uh, in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And we should walk in them as children of light. We're called. You know, it's one of the beautiful things that God is saying, hey, look, not only are you saved by grace, which is not of your own doing, but look, I've prepared you for good works. I've I, I prepared them beforehand so you can actually serve and bring glory to me. And unfortunately, you know, a good work is, is something that is prescribed by God that benefits others. So why? So God can be glorified. But see, many Christians live an unfulfilled, miserable existence because they've never gotten around to doing the works God has for them. They give their life to Christ and they never step in to serve or or get involved in, 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 in trying to help others or, or, or getting involved in church. Or maybe they jump in and, and they're just like Uzziah. They want to be seen. They want to shine and, and they want all the glory to come to them. See, we're supposed to let our light shine before men. We are to shine with goodness and integrity, with godly character, worshiping and glorifying God in holy behavior. We're supposed to shine a light that glorifies God and not us. And Jesus expects all of His followers to be light. And so we're supposed to put on the armor of light. We're supposed to put off the culture of the world. In Romans chapter 13, verse 12, it says, The night is as far spent as the day. Therefore, let, let us cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. We put the protective covering. And I love that. Like what do you put on every day, every morning? You put the protective covering of the holy life. And we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Beatitudes are about. You put that on. That's the perfect recipe for salt and light is the Beatitudes. That's why we read that at the beginning. You put away the darkness. And you put on the protective cover in the holy life, which is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So application for us, and we'll close it out here. Is your speech seasoned with grace, love, truth, and mercy? Right? And, and as you give out grace and love and truth and mercy in your speech, do you sprinkle a little bit of salt on it? And does it draw people in? Do people want to have conversations with you? Do they want to talk to you? Do they look forward to talking to you? If not, maybe you need to pray about that. 
Because let me tell you, some Christians have become to the point where we just are um, we're, we're, we're argumentative and, and we're not, there's no peace among each other. Even as we talk to, to, um, to non-believers, they, they, there's no peace. It's like we're not trying to win an argument. We're trying to win people to the Lord. You know? That's why it says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt. Uh, next question, is your salt losing taste? Have you allowed decay in your life? Sin. If so, you need to repent. Look at Uzziah. You know, Uzziah fell in love with his own accomplishments. And eventually pride got him. But guess what? That didn't happen all in one day. Let's not ruin our testimony. Let's preserve it with salt. And we do that by, by walking with the Lord. Are you hiding your light at work or even at home? Is your light shining at the house, in your marriage, in your family? Are you putting on Christ the Lord daily and shining for Him? I love that verse in Romans thirteen twelve. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. The day of the Lord is at hand. Jesus Christ is going to return. And, and we saw in that verse in John, you either choose to follow Him or you don't. You either choose here on earth to be a, be a follower of Christ or the choice is made for you. And that's why He says you need to cast off the works of the darkness. That's why we told you last week, hands to the plow, eyes focused on Christ. Leave the past behind. Stop trying to walk back to the darkness. But he says there, he goes, and, and let us put on the armor of light. This should be done daily. And the way you do that is in Psalm 119, 105. Let the word be a lamp to your feet. Let us put on the armor of light. We put on the protective covering of the holy life and we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So are you shining in divine? Right? Are you shining in Medina County? How about Texas? Now let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much for today. We do pray as we look at this salt and light ministry, Lord. I pray that we would re-look at those, those Beatitudes uh, from verses 1 to 12 and understand those are the ingredients or, or the recipe that creates the ingredients of salt and light. I pray that we would understand that, that we are called to a ministry of salt and light that each one of us have been asked to do this ministry because we're called to shine. Will we shine in our marriage? Will we shine in our family, in our relationship with our kids? Will we shine at work? Will we shine in the church? Will we be the light in this dark world? Will we share grace and love and mercy and truth in our speech but have it seasoned with salt? Let us be the preservative, Lord, for our counties, for our cities. Let, us, let the church be that city on the hill that actually stands for You, Lord. Let us be the salt and the light. But Lord, I ask that for each of us, Lord, that if, if we're not doing that, help us. Help us. Forgive us. It's a, it's a ministry that each of us have to be salt and light. To do what? To glorify You. To bring attention to who You are. And I pray that for us, Lord. I thank You so much for today. And I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless. I hope that y'all have a beautiful Sunday. Hopefully you catch up on some sleep or you get a big cup of coffee so you can help spring forward. But uh, remember, if you need any information, calvarydivine.org, calvarydivine.org. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.